please uh, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 121, Psalm 121, as we began uh, last week, um, we're going through the Psalms of Ascent in the evening service, and this is our second Psalm, Psalm 121, and let me read it. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm. And though we do not know... um, the exact circumstances under which it was written. There's many illusions. and Thank you for those circumstances and what you're doing in the heart of the psalmist at that time because it speaks to us and has spoken to your people throughout um, all the years and centuries since it has been written. It guides us, it helps us, it reassures us reminds us of who you are. So Lord, as we look at this psalm, please reaffirm our hearts. Guide us. Remind us of who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, as I said last week, we're going through the Psalms of Ascent, which um, were these pilgrim songs um, some of them, some commentators, some scholars, uh, they wonder whether or not they were actually sung, uh, most of which probably were sung, but just given the way uh, a couple of them are written, they, they wonder whether or not they were uh, sung or recited. But I, either way, they were written for that, that pilgrimage, the, 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 the trips to Jerusalem three times a year for the feast, says the the people from all over Israel and, and outside of Israel, those uh, Jews in the diaspora who were um, living in other countries outside of Israel throughout um, their history. And even as the, the history of the Jews um, went on, there would be more and more outside of the, the promised land. And, and so during their, the times of the feast, they, they would come and, and perhaps they weren't, weren't able to come at every feast, but uh, nevertheless, they would come, and during their pilgrimage, they would uh, sing these songs, they would recite these songs, amongst other things, and to, to uh, encourage their hearts to remind themselves of who God is, and um, as we read in these songs, we, we can see um, some level of um, maybe anxiety or frustration, especially in the one we went through uh, last week of 
um, concerning uh, trouble and trial and, and possibly even, even persecution. And now in this one, in 121, we, we see a, a, a bit of anxiety, of worry, of fear. And uh, certainly if you, you study the terrain uh, and the geography of Israel and, and the history, um, there, you can see that there is, there is good reason to be um, afraid. As he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And uh, throughout Israel, we have, uh, um, in a sense, a ridge line um, going north to south um, along where Jerusalem is somewhat in the center. Um, we have the, the Jordan uh, Rift Valley on the east side um, that is actually um, can get below sea level. Um, the Dead Sea is, is uh, 1,500 feet below sea level, and even Jericho is, is 800 feet below sea level. And then Jerusalem is, is roughly 2,500 feet, and, and that whole ridge line can span anywhere from um, about 2,000 feet to 3,000 feet, depending on where you're, you're going. And, and whatever path you may take to come to Jerusalem, you're going to go up into some hills. You're probably going to go uh, through some canyons, some valleys. And so um, as the psalmist says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Uh, he's wondering, not only is there going to be danger, is there going to be uh, vagabonds? Is there going to be bandits? Is there going to be a, a group of men that come out from around the hill and, and, and assault our uh, caravan or our group of people? Is, is this going to happen? But more than the anxiety and the fear over the danger, there's this anticipation of of getting to Jerusalem, of traveling through these hills. And so he he lifts up his eyes to the hill. And generally speaking, not just the psalmist, but any of the travelers. As you're traveling to Jerusalem, naturally you would look at the hills, you would look at the canyons, you would look at the 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 draws and the streams that wherever there were streams, because um, certainly you would need water along the way and there water was scarce and there was a few places that you could get it. So you would look at the terrain surrounding you, wonder about the dangers, but also anticipate arriving in Jerusalem. And, and, and I think of, you know, maybe you've seen um, a lot of the old westerns. You picture those times when someone is trapped in a canyon, they look up at the hills and they look around the surrounding hills and there may be the, the Indians on their horses and they're surrounded, or they're, they're looking for um, uh, maybe some help. The cavalry will come over the hill. And this is kind of the idea of um, either danger on one hand or hopefully help on the other hand would come over those hills, would help them. And uh, this is what the psalmist says. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? And one commentator, he writes this concerning this psalm. He says this. He says, this is a psalm of encouragement or blessing prompted by the concern of the pilgrim for safety on the journey up to Jerusalem. The comforting promise is that the Lord who required the people to come and worship him in the sanctuary 
would watch over the faithful on the journey, as well as in all the activities of their lives. Thus, the theology of the passage concerns divine protection for God's faithful people. All throughout the psalm, it, it balances this, this danger, but more importantly, God's provision, his protection, his help. And in this passage, throughout the, the whole psalm, it, you can divide it easily up into four parts. And, and, and in those four parts, we see four assertions concerning the psalmist's affirmation of God as his helper and guardian. Four ways in which he reassures himself of God's care for him and for his people. And, and that's, you know, as we look through the Psalms, and, and uh, um, you can, throughout all the Psalms, you see the whole range of human emotions of highs and lows, of anger, of frustration, of worry, of fear, of anxiety. It, uh, as Spurgeon wrote, because he, he loved the Psalms, and, and many times he, if he struggled with depression, and he would go to the Psalms, and he said, you know, I, I, I never was so low that I did not find that David was lower. I never was so high that I did not find that David was higher. And we find comfort and encouragement, and, and more often than not, you read a psalm, and, and what's going on in, in many of these psalms is the writer, which many are David, um, but the writer is more than stating something new or affirming something about God, it, it, it seems as if the writer is trying to reassure themselves remind themselves of who God is. They are, in a sense, preaching to themselves. And this is what is happening here in this psalm. And there's four assertions, four assertions concerning God as his helper and guardian. And first, he asserts the source of his help. In verses 1 to 2, the source of his help, he begins with this almost a rhetorical question. I lift up my eyes to the hills, and from where does my help come? Not, not a, as if he's asking the, the, the question as if he does not know, but as a rhetorical question, reaffirming himself. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He, he, and that's pretty much the main point of the whole psalm. That, and everything else is... is in a sense, a supporting argument, a, a substantiating piece of evidence to support that main point that my help comes from the Lord. And, and there's two, two points of this um, concerning his help from the Lord, that, that his help is not of this world. It's not from this world. And, and, and too often, we look for help in the things of this world. We, we look for help in our circumstances. He says, my, my help comes from the Lord. It, it, it's not from the hills, not from my circumstances, not from my own power or my own wisdom or abilities or my strength or the stuff I have or the money that I have. My help is not of this world. My, my help comes from the Lord. My help is the creator of all things. The Lord who made heaven and earth. And there's 
a couple other psalms that, that would say the same things. Not, not just that my help comes from the Lord or God is my helper or he is my, my refuge, my strong tower, but that he is the creator of heaven and earth. Psalm 124 verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 146 and verses 5 to 6 says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. It's, it's not just enough that he says, My help comes from the Lord, but he uh, qualifies that, he substantiates that, he uh, asserts even more about who the Lord is by saying he, he's the one who made heaven and earth. He, he encompasses, he controls all things. He has authority over all things. He controls all things. As, you know, perhaps one of the most important verses in the Bible is the very first one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's, it's not a coincidence that, that the Bible starts that way. Because all authority is founded in that, in, in the sense that God is the creator of everything, of the heavens and the earth, and all that the heavens and the earth encompasses. He is Lord. He is God. He has authority. He has control. He sustains all things. Puritan Henry Law said this in his daily prayer and praise devotional about this uh, verse, these few verses in this uh, psalm. He said, The pious child of Israel turned in devotion to the hill on which the temple stood. He saw in it a type of Jehovah's presence. The lesson is here taught that all protection comes directly from our Heavenly Father. With confidence, let us uplift our eyes to Him. He is the fountain of all grace. He whose omnipotent word called heaven and earth into existence can by the same word make all providences to promote His people's good. In, in, in essence, if, if the, God, the God of the whole universe, the, the one and true God, the only God who created all things, if he is our helper, then we will, we will never be without help. We will have sufficient help. We will have help at all times. We will not lack. We shall not want, as Psalm 23 says. Because the Lord is my shepherd. So first, he asserts the source of his help in verses 1 to 2. And then, Second, he asserts the nature of his help in verses 3 to 4. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He asserts the nature of his help, that the Lord helps us individually, he helps us corporately, and he helps us continually. It's as if, he, he, he's turning the tense uh, because in, in verse 2, he, he's, it, it's personal. He's talking about my help. But then he turns it into uh, almost a, a, a second person, talking to someone else, uh, talking to 
uh, the uh, a person around him, but then to all the people around him. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord helps us individually, particularly. And He helps us corporately. He helps us to stand firm. He he will not let our foot be moved. Not not just that that you will be secure, but in the particulars, down to your foot. Not just that you will not slip or you will not stumble but that your foot will, will not be moved. You'll not slip. Psalm 37, verses 23 to 24 says this, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. He directs our steps. He guides us. He will not let our foot be moved. And and this does not mean in in, in any way that we will never slip or fall in life or we will never stumble or we will never make a mistake or we will never goof up. We all know that that's not true. We stumble all the time. We slip all the time. And and quite literally, we, we slip and fall. But he's saying that within all our movements and within all our travels within every place we go, God is guiding our steps. And and even if we do slip and fall, He is there. And He has ordained it. He has decreed it. He will not let us fall headlong, as Psalm 37 says. He, He will not let us fall to our death or fall to our destruction. He protects you. And the Lord helps us corporately. He, 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 he keeps His covenant people. He keeps Israel. And, and this term, keep, it, it, this is the main, perhaps the, the, the main verb and the main thrust of the whole uh, psalm, that He is a keeper. He is a guardian. He keeps us. He keeps us individually. He keeps us corporately. He keeps us all the time. He watches over his covenant people, and and certainly because he has he has commanded them to come and worship him, to obey these feasts, to come on this pilgrimage. So certainly he will keep them along the way, and he 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 helps us continually. He keeps us continually. He will not slumber. He will not sleep. And, and yes, the, the, these these terms, these verbs, uh, slumber nor sleep. Yes, it, it is poetic, but it, it, it's also, um, in a sense, uh, all-encompassing because it is, it's not just a, a, a saying that he, he will not fall into a deep sleep, but he will not nap. He will not turn his eye. He is always watching. He is always keeping. He is always on guard for you. He will not slumber. And if you're anything like like me, this term slumber probably um, brings up in your mind that that, um, proverb that most of us uh, uh, probably should have memorized and and have to go back to time and time again, especially those of us that struggle with self-discipline and 
and laziness in Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 9 to, 9 to 11. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. And, and what Solomon is saying in that proverb and speaking to young men about the, the, the dangers of, of being lazy, of, of being a sluggard, of, of what will happen to a sluggard, is, is that it, it's almost like a slippery slope. Like there's just a little rest, just a little napping, just a little slumber. Just, just, I'm just going to let my eyes rest. For a moment, and, and that may be true of, of many uh, sluggards. But then, as Solomon says, that that poverty will come upon you quickly, like a robber, and want like an armed man. But I bring that up because, it, it, in no way, is is God even like that. He he doesn't even for a moment turn his eye off of us. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't let his eyes rest. And, and yes, God is spirit. This is, in, in a sense, a anthropomorphism where, where um, the psalmist is using uh, human characteristics to describe God. God doesn't sleep at all. He doesn't take a rest. Um, he's spirit. He, he, he doesn't need to sleep. He's not like a man. He doesn't need to rest. He doesn't eat or drink. And we know these things, but it's encouraging to see it in this language that he, he, he not only does not sleep, but he does not take his eye off of us. He is always watching us. He, he's like, he's like a, a watchman or a sentry who is, who is always on duty, always um, walking his post, always watching over the city, always guarding. And like I said, that does not mean, and we, we know this from experience, we know this from the Word of God, that does not mean that we will go without trials, but it does mean that even in our trials, even in our challenges, even in our mistakes and our fumbling, He is watching us. He is guarding us. And He, he will not let us um, fall completely into destruction. So we see a psalmist shows us he he asserts that that God is a he is a source of his help he asserts the nature of his help in the lord that that the lord helps us individually the lord helps us corporately and the lord helps us continually and then third he asserts the comfort of his help the comfort of his help verses 5 and 6 he says the lord is your keeper the lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He says that the, the Lord comforts you. This, the, these uh, terms that he is, he is the shade. The shade on your right hand, which is on its face when you read it. It's interesting because, like, shade on my right hand, almost as if, um, you know, the rest of my body, the rest of my person is in the sun, but I have a little bit of shade on my right hand, so I'm fine. Uh, no, what that's implying is, is that 
um, your right hand through, throughout the word of God. Your right hand is the strong hand. And, and most of us can see that because most people in the world are right-handed. That's the, the hand you write with. That's the hand that you work with. That's your dominant hand. If you're um, a soldier or a warrior, that would be your hand that you uh, swing a sword with. That would be um, your trigger finger, so to speak, in, in our modern times. That's your strong hand. He's saying he will, he will protect that hand. He will provide shade over it. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The, the Lord here is personally protective. Personally, he, he knows everything about you. He is your keeper. Your keeper, your shade. It shows that personal aspect, almost like a personal guardian, a personal bodyguard. There's that, that sense of comfort. The psalmist asserts the comfort of his help in the Lord. This is to, in a sense, diminish his his anxiety, to do away with it, to, that, that there's no reason for him to fear or to be anxious. We read on this, in the Sermon on the Mountain, and you can turn there to the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew uh, chapter 6, and th this is a, it's probably the, the quintessential passage for anxieties, for fears, for worries. It is Jesus, the Lord of glory, our Savior, our King, our Master, tells us why we shouldn't worry, why we shouldn't fear, why we shouldn't be anxious. And he's instructing um, his disciples and all those who are hearing him speak on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And in a sense, this, this whole passage can speak to these, these pilgrims. Yes, Jesus spoke it, but um, it is the comfort for the pilgrim that if, if we are seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking first his worship, um, traveling, uh, working, spending for his sake, 
for his kingdom, then all these things, all the things, all the, the provisions uh, of life will be added to us. We, we will not lack. The, the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. And I like uh, the parallel passage in, in, in Luke chapter 12 uh, on the Sermon on the Mount in, in where Jesus says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. The hairs of your head are all numbered. And many of you um, may laugh when you hear this and, and as you age and, and the hairs get less and less, <laughs> but you know that they are all numbered. <laughs> and, um, but even when you're young and throughout, <laughs> throughout all the years of our lives, our hairs are numbered. It, and we cannot even number our hairs at any one point in our life. It, it's too much, but there's not a single piece of information that God does not know about us. And you can take this a step further. Not only are our hairs all numbered, but your cells. The cells in your body are all numbered. So there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to be anxious. He, he is your keeper. Even later in Luke 12, verse 32, at the end of, you know, the Sermon on the Mount and, and this, this account in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That one day we will be in the kingdom. We will uh, live in the kingdom. We will see the kingdom. We will see the king in all his glory, ruling and reigning in righteousness. But the Lord is personally protective of us. He is your keeper. He is my keeper. He is your shade on your right hand. The Lord is physically protective as well. From, from the natural dangers in this life, the sun shall not strike you by day. And we can certainly see that in, in say, in the middle of summer, in the desert, um, in, you know, near, especially in the eastern side of Israel, in the, the desert of Israel, and, the, you know, perhaps could get up to 120, um, dry, hot. Um, any source of shade would be a comfort to you. We could see how the sun could strike us by the day. He's not saying that you will never be hot or you never sweat, but that throughout the day, he is keeping you. He is guarding you. And, and what's, what's interesting is, is not just that he guards us through the day and, and through the night. We, we see this, um, that he, he protects us all the time. Is it the moon? That, that the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And it, it made me think of, you know, how, how can the moon strike you? 
how can the moon, because um, many times we look at the moon and it's pleasing. We see a full moon. We, we uh, look in awe at it. We like the moon. We, we, you know, even the kids, they talk about the moon and, and they talk about the different things on the moon. And, um, and they say, um, at least my kids say, there's a bunny on the moon. <laughs> and if you look, you can see the bunny. Uh, full moon, and, and there's something about the full moon that is uh, comforting. But there is a sense where uh, the moon could strike you, especially um, in the desert. And, and you know, going back to the start of this psalm, and he's he's concerned about uh, maybe bandits, maybe vagabonds, um, and, and certainly going through a terrain like that, especially in the desert that the illumination of the moon, it, it shows everything. It, and it's almost as if there's nowhere to hide. That you, you, there's no cover of darkness, so to speak, to hide your little caravan. You're, you're wide open and exposed by the moon. Um, it, it's interesting during many times, um, many of my training exercises and we in the military, a lot of times we trained at night, and uh, it was always it was always a benefit to have a full moon, and especially in the desert, because you can see everything. You can see everything with a full moon in the desert. There, there's nothing hidden, it, and it only takes a few minutes to to come out of a lighted area, say a tent, and and your eyes. Um, uh, get adjusted to, to the night and, and the moon, and you can see everything. There's nothing hidden. And so they would not be hidden from bandits. But yet, e even in that sense, e even a small caravan of, of pilgrims or, or a single family that could be easily overtaken at night and they're perhaps concerned about, you know, should we um, have a guard at night? And, and if we do have a guard, that you know, not everybody can stay awake. But no, the Lord is keeping them. The Lord is watching over them in their travels. The Lord is watching over them by day and by night. He's also watching over their right hand, their skill. This reminds me of, um, there, there's a modern hymn. It's actually um, an old hymn that was revised. Um, by uh, Sovereign Grace Music. It's called Afflicted Saint. And, and um, just a, a, a few uh, stanzas of that. It, 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 says, it says this, that afflicted saint to Christ draw near. Your Savior's gracious promise here. His faithful word you can believe that as your days your strength shall be. Your faith is weak, your foes are strong, and if the conflict should be long, the Lord will make the tempter flee, that as your days, your strength shall be. And it's, it's that, that last uh, phrase, that as your days, your strength shall be. This is what he's talking about, the shade on your right hand, your right hand, that, that dominant hand, that hand that you depend upon for, for skill, for protection, for your work, that he, there, there will be no... Um, loss of skill or power as, as long as you live, for as your days your strength shall be. 
that, that he, will, he will provide shade on your right hand. The Lord comforts us. He, he, in the psalmist here, he asserts that comfort, the, the, the comfort of his helper, of his guardian, that the Lord is personally protective, the Lord is physically protective, and the Lord is chronologically protective. Throughout day and night, So as the psalmist travels and as he considers the the dangers, the potential mishaps, the potential trials and challenges, he's reassuring his heart. He asserts the source of his help. He asserts the nature of his help. Third, he asserts the comfort of his help. And fourth, he asserts the completeness of his help in verses 7 to 8, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord is a complete and comprehensive helper and guardian. There's there's no aspect of your life, no aspect of your ability or your skill or the places you go or your circumstances over which God is not sovereign or is not helping you, or is not concerned about you. The Lord is a complete and comprehensive helper. And we see this in these verses, that the Lord will keep you from all evil. He is a spiritual and a moral guardian. He will not let evil overtake you or destroy you. And as we see this, this phrase keep you from all evil you know the 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 skeptic and the cynic within us might um, rise up and and say well you know i've faced quite a bit of evil in my day Um, but it's not saying that there will not be any evil it's not saying that we will not have any trials or any challenges or that um, evil people will not um, persecute us but what it is saying is that that the evil will not completely overtake us. It will not destroy us. And we, we can see this in the lives of many of the saints throughout the Bible, many of the saints throughout the Old Testament. I mean, just a few. I think of Job. I think of Joseph. I think of Paul. I mean, the whole book of Job is, in a sense, a, a field manual for us to... to um, in how to suffer, how to suffer well in this life, how to suffer in a way which honors God. And, and, and not just that, but the reminder that um, a saint's faith cannot be destroyed. That if we are born again, if we are truly God's, that, that he will keep us, he will guide us, he will protect us, he will... He will make sure we make it, that we will persevere, that evil will not overtake us completely, will not destroy us. Is even in the chapter, the, the first chapter of Job, and, and what's interesting about the whole book of Job is Job did not, he did not have chapter one. <laughs> he didn't, we, we see all his sufferings and how he's going through it. But he didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. And, and, and if 
sense that God had set it all up. God had ordained this trial, even as you know, we read in, in Job 1 and verse 7 that the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. And here we see, right, what the, the psalmist says. He will keep you from all evil, from total evil. That Satan, Satan afflicted Job with all sorts of evil things, but he did not, he did not destroy him. He did not overtake him. He, he, he wasn't completely overtaken by Satan's evil assaults. Because God held his life. And even Joseph, as he comes towards um, the uh, end of, of the book of Genesis, and, and we see um, the family reunion, and, and, and we see um, his brothers come into the land, and, and it, it's, it's almost as if the, the, we, we see this happy ending of, of the, the life of Joseph. He would live on longer, but his brothers come to him. And they're, in a sense, um, trying to uh, placate him, hoping that um, Joseph, now in a position of power, would not um, uh, harbor bitterness against them or um, hold a, a grudge. And, and Joseph says this, he says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That even Joseph saw that though they meant evil against him, God meant it for good. God worked it out for good. It, it, the evil that they meant against him, all the evil of his, his early life, of his um, young adult life, did not overtake him. It did not crush him. And even Paul, when when he had the thorn in the flesh, he, he said he, he, he pleaded with the Lord three times that it would be taken away from him, that the Lord would, um, would take it away. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me Paul knew Paul knew what Joseph learned he knew what Job learned he knew what the psalmist said that the Lord will keep you from all evil from total evil he will keep your life any evil you face or experience, God will use for your good. As Paul would write in Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. That 
The, the Lord is a spiritual and moral guardian, guarding us from all evil, keeping our life. And He is also a personal guardian. It, it, there's this personal aspect of He knows the totality of our life. He knows all our circumstances. He knows all the trials and even the smaller evils that we come into. He guards your whole life. As this, uh, the psalmist says in another place, my times are in your hand. In Psalm 139, it says this in verse 14 to 16. Uh, the psalmist says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Every single day from beginning to end, from conception, He has ordained all of our days. He guards our whole life. He keeps our whole life. He keeps us from... uh, complete evil. Any trial, any challenge is for our good. He keeps our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord is a universal and the eternal guardian. This, this phrase, uh, everything you do is, is, is what it means. Everything that you would do in your life, everywhere you go, Every plan you make, every place you live, every every journey, everything He watches over us. So the Lord is a universal and eternal guardian. He is a personal guardian. He is a spiritual and moral guardian. This is what the psalmist is saying when he asserts the completeness of His help. That the Lord is a perfect help. Because He's God. He is the Creator. He is our helper and our guardian. He is the source of our help. He is the nature. He is uh, a complete helper. He comforts us as He helps us. And, and this, this psalm certainly, I, I, the, the parallel to this is, is Psalm 23. I, I mean, you see that in, in, in David's life, in, in, in the 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 um, you know the, the the quintessential shepherd, Christ, the great shepherd, that the Lord is our shepherd. He shepherds us through every circumstance of life. He keeps us. He helps us. He guides us. This also goes back to the. Um, blessing of Aaron that Aaron was was commanded to give to the Israelites as they would go in and go out. That that Aaron was to give this blessing to say that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. This this psalm this as. Many have called it the Traveler's Psalm or the Pilgrim's Psalm. It, it, it goes back to that blessing that Aaron was to give as they go out and as they come in. From this time forth and forevermore, wherever they would go, 
that the, this blessing would be upon them. And this carries forth even into the New Testament. It is at the end of Jude's letter, uh, uh, one of the great benedictions, Jude writes, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forever. Amen. These are the words that we need to speak to ourselves in, in our travels, in our trials, in, in those times in which we don't have the answers, in those times in which we don't know where this journey will take us. We don't know what lies behind the hills. We don't know what lies around the bends. We don't know if our car will make it. We don't know what circumstance we will find when we arrive, we comfort ourselves, we reassure ourselves in the fact that we have a helper and a guardian that is the creator of the whole universe, that the Lord is my shepherd, and if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack, I shall have everything. He will guide me through the physical um, challenges, he will guide me spiritually, he will guide me circumstantially, He is always guiding us. He is our helper and our guardian. He is God. So we can trust Him. Heavenly Father, we have to admit that we are fickle. And oftentimes we do struggle with fears and anxieties and worries. Why we read so many times in your word, why you tell us so many times to fear not, do not fear, to trust you, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you are our help, that you are our guardian, that you are our provider and our sustainer. And yet, Lord, we oftentimes find ourselves in places in which we need to reassure ourselves of these truths. So, Lord, we pray as we um, go out from here and into a new week of work and um, the different circumstances that we will face, we pray that you would reaffirm your care for us, remind us of your word, remind us of your character, remind us of your great work in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.